This is the Car Dealer Podcast driven by CarGurus. You want the best return for your advertising budgets and CarGurus Piston Heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you. Welcome back to the Car Dealer Podcast. If you haven't listened before, we pick our favourite stories of the week and ask a guest to choose whose stories were best. Welcome back to John Ray from Car Dealer, who will be choosing the stories with me today. How are you this fine Friday, John? Very well, very well. Thank you, Rebecca. Good to know. Uh, This week's guest is Car Dealer Magazine's associate editor, James Batchelor, who we've just been discussing has probably written most of the stories we're going to discuss today. So how are you, Batch? Work to the bone? (laughs) Yeah, it has been a very busy week, actually, on Car Dealer Magazine. There's been a huge number of stories we've got through. And it's actually, it's very nice of you to invite me to be the guest this time, because I feel as though I can sort of relax and just let you take the the heavy work and I just you know just wade in occasionally and just say who's the winner so thank you very much for that thank you <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get lots of your opinions so I think it's going to be quite good to get you as our guest today and get oh, your God. views on all these things don't raise the expectation level please do not do that <laughs> um so batch I'm going to ask you a very general question about what you um what you're spotting that's going on in the industry at the moment um, what am I spotting that's going on? the industry? Well, one thing that I am spotting that's going on the industry at the moment is the vast number of cars that are going off sale all of the time. Um, I think <laughs> I feel as though I'm spending an increasingly uh, bigger part of my time sort of searching manufacturer websites. Like, oh, that car's gone off sale. Oh, that trim level's gone. Oh, <laughs> those prices have gone up. And uh, I mean, it's an absolutely mad time, really. You know, the days of of of, of um, simple model ranges and you know plentiful supply have, have pretty much gone. So yeah, it's 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 very difficult to keep track of everything that's going on at the moment, and which is probably why I'm very tired and I desperately need a holiday. Oh well, we'll try and make this quick for you then. Um, let's play the car dealer quiz. Here is how it works. John and I have both chosen our five favourite stories that have appeared on Car Dealer this week and last week, because if you remember, it was the Easter bank holiday, so we've got two shorter weeks to work with. Uh, we don't know what each other have chosen. We're going to take it in turns to reveal our stories, and we'll have a little chat with Batch about each. At the end, he is the judge and has the final say on who is the winner. If you're listening on Spotify today, though, you can vote for who you think had the best stories at the end by swiping up on the screen. So I'm pretty sure John won last time. So I'm going to let him go first. Well, you're very kind. Uh, Well, following on from that discussion about how busy James Batchelor is writing about every car ever going off sale, I am going to start with, I mean, we have three stories today alone about cars disappearing off sale. So you've been on a lot of configurators, I can tell. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go with Citroen discontinuing the C4 Space Tourer. 
AKA the Picasso that they didn't want to pay for the licensing of Picasso. I didn't think that's what you were going to go for, but like that's <laughs> after you said it, I was like, it's just the John choice, isn't it? To go the C4 Space Tour. Absolutely. It's a very interesting car, Rebecca. I'm a <laughs> big fan of the, the Citroen range. Um, but the reason I've gone with it, I mean, the other two, there was there's the Ford Fiesta, the three-door Fiesta has gone off sale. I didn't mention that one, although I just have, because... Nobody cares. Nobody buys a three-door Super Mini, do they? It's the only Super Mini on sale that's, well, apart from the Mini, that you can get as a three-door, effectively, as well as a five-door. Um, so I don't really care about that. The other one is the Skoda Enyaq, and that is a supply-related issue. But the, the Citroen it kind of interests me because it's part of this trend of moving away from MPVs and moving into SUVs. And, you know, Citroen say... Uh, it's to do with changing customer habits. But the weird thing is, every time we do a story along the lines of which cars have increased in value in the last two months or whatever, there are always about five different MPVs in there. So the last one I can find is, uh, actually, where is this thing? Yeah, this one is from the last 12 months, two months ago, this data came out. And in there is number two, Vauxhall Zafira. Number four, uh, Vauxhall Combo Life, number five, Mercedes V-Class, number six, Citroen Space Tourer, and the list goes on. So you sort of think is, people are actually warming to MPVs a bit more. So why is there really a need to discontinue them? I don't know. Thoughts? Well, I think the thing that struck me about this, uh, firstly, um, anyone listening to this, please do go and look at the story because you can tell Citroen don't care about this car at all because the pictures they use to accompany the release, they photoshopped 22 uh, reg plates on it. But if you look very closely, you can see that it's still got the old Picasso badges on mm. the car. So um, they, I think the badges came, I think they, they dropped the Picasso name. I think it was back in 2018, 2019, something like that. So Citroen obviously don't care about the car. And I think it's a shame really because, um, it's sorry before I come on to that, I think it's quite quite funny all of this really because you know 10 15 years ago when there were plentiful MPVs on sale we all hated them didn't we I think it was Jeremy Clarkson who said that basically those who buy an MPV are basically telling the world they've given up on life and mm. you know they they were held up as the dullest the most dreary car that you could buy but I as I'm sure you are John I'm very sad about this news because it's just uh, I, I I don't I don't like this this feeling of we've all got to be forced into SUVs, mm. um, which um, which is the reason why I was such and say is one of the reasons why they're taking his car off sale, um, and uh, I just think it's a shame really because I still think it's a great looking car actually I still think it looks very modern, mm. um, I haven't driven one for many years but I think it was it wasn't particularly offensive to drive, and it's still incredibly <laughs> practical. Um, I praise indeed there (laughs) but it was fine to drive and it was still incredibly practical and this is the thing isn't it manufacturers like to sell this idea that SUVs are their lifestyle vehicles and they're very practical but you know you and I both know that SUVs aren't particularly practical they're just a bit higher off the ground that's all Mm. they are so um, I think it's a shame there are still a couple of MPVs on sale I think the S-Max and the Galaxy are still hanging on for dear life but I'm sure they're going to disappear not before too long um yeah I just think it I just think it's a shame really um and um 
and and it's, it's also a self-fulfilling prophecy isn't it when manufacturers say oh no one's buying mpvs well that's because there aren't any on sale that's why no one's buying mpvs so mm-hmm. yeah bit of sad news i have to agree agree with you on that the other thing is this has we should say for balance it has been on sale since 2000 and, it's definitely 2012 i reckon 1824 Sorry, feels like for, around eighteen twenty-four. Feels like forever that car's been on sale. <laughs> I, mean, I know. I, I remember actually. I remember doing the press launch for the current generation of car when it was called Picasso, and they decided to do the launch in Austria. And um, it was they based the launch pretty much where Hitler's Berghof was, <laughs> and it was an extraordinary place to have a car launch. I have to tell you. Um, but that's the only thing I really remember about the launch. I don't really remember much about the car, only that it, was, it wasn't particularly offensive to drive. But uh, sad, mm. very sad. It's and one of those won't... cars that I remember having to write about again and again, always comes up in lists of things, best MPVs, or let's write about the different specs on the Space Tour. And I must have written about it so many times. So I am quite glad to see the back of it. <laughs> it was also, actually, I remember when, when I was at Auto Express, it was very much much like the executive car award should have been renamed the bmw 5 series Award. Yeah. the mpv award always went to the citroen picasso or the space tourer well the same car because <laughs> nobody did it better it was a fantastic car and yeah it's gone it's i dead. thought you were about to go into some um carly simon there nobody does it better no. yeah no that's available in the uh, the uncut version of the podcast not oh today. yes um well, should I go for my story now? Because it please kind do, of, please do. Kind of leads into this a little bit, at least with the Enyaq, which you touched on. Um, this was the story from this week about just how bad will new car supply be in 2020. Um, an interesting piece, if you haven't um, read it yet, where James Batchelor talks to seven experts about <laughs> um, this and gets their views. But yeah, it's an interesting read about. Um, what are the, what's happening what can we expect because i do think this is still the thing everyone's worried about how bad is new car supply going to be mm. it's, on the other hand making a lot of things better um but yeah a lot of it is up in the air is the general gist but james batcher i will hand it over to you thank you very much becca um, <laughs> I think I, I, the, the when I was putting together that feature, I think the overwhelming feeling is, well, normally when we do these features, um, you know, people very quickly come back to us with comments and they did so this time round. No change there. But I did feel as though I was just asking a question which nobody really knows the answer to. And there was a, I almost got this feeling that people were like, oh, God, why are you asking us this for? <laughs> um, but but I think the overwhelming feeling I got from this was um, there were hopes that things were starting to get better, particularly at the start of this year, January time. You know, we'd, we've been living with this semiconductor crisis since 2020. Things were starting to improve. And then, of course, the dreadful events in Ukraine have happened and it's just it's just completely stalled things. And of course, this is the thing is not you feel very bad about criticizing or complaining about the fact that your car is is having to is, is slightly delayed while there is a what you know, while there's a war going on. But um, you can understand why customers are starting to get a little bit irate, um, not wanting to go on about this Enyaq but I've, I've heard from a from, from a friend of mine who's placed an order for an Enyaq 
And they've now been told they're having to wait another 18 months for it. And they've already waited six wow. months for this car. So they're effectively waiting two years for a Skoda Enyaq. And the Skoda Enyaq is a lovely car, but let's face it, if you're waiting two years for one, it's going to be a bit of a disappointment once it arrives on your drive, isn't it? It's just, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not exactly a Porsche, is it? Which you, you're more than happy to wait for. Um, and the interesting thing about having to wait for an electric car is, you know, but by the time this car arrives, it's going to be pretty old hat, isn't it? The Skoda Enyaq is arguably the car of the moment at the moment, uh, uh, car of the moment at the moment. Um, but it, it, let's face it, in 18 months time, you know, we're going to be talking about something else, aren't we? And no one's going to want to Skoda Enyaq. So, sorry, I've just gone off a bit of a tangent here, but I, I, I just, it's, it's the question that nobody really knows the answer to. And I feel as though there was a lot of optimism that things were going to get better. Things are going to get better. And then um, flashbacks to, to the Labour Party conference 1997 there. Um, but yes, uh, things were going to get better, but um, they, they, I don't think they are, unfortunately. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be tough throughout all of this year and, and probably well into next as well. well. There's two things to mention there. One is that I wasn't aware that you were a fan of the Labour Party in 1997. Um, but the second part is, of course, there is another element going on, which is the coronavirus is still around and affecting supply chains as well. It's not just Ukraine and, mm. you know, Russia related things. You know, we spoke to Mazda, didn't we, the other day? And well, you spoke to Mazda and I sat in the room listening, um, which is my usual role. But, you know, as far as they were concerned, their supply chain doesn't involve much to do with Russia or Ukraine because it's, you know, it's all Japan, really. But um, various bits come from China and China has gone into or, you know, went into lockdown again very recently, didn't it? In various it, places. Well, yes. I mean, you know, Mazda are in this bizarre situation where they... Um, you know, their cars are built in Japan and their cars were coming through Europe into the UK. But of course, because of Brexit and um, because of everything that's happening at the moment, they decided actually we'll import the cars directly. So they're, they're able to guarantee supply to their dealers. The problem they're now facing is just as you alluded to there, is their, 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 their component shortage is from China. It's not from the Ukraine or from parts of Europe like other car manufacturers suffering at the moment. I think VW Group are massively affected by all the wiring looms that apparently they all come from Ukraine or from that area. So, so Mazda aren't affected by that, but they're affected by China, which of course has just had an enormous COVID outbreak. So, so COVID, this is the thing, isn't it? We keep like to think that, that, that we're seeing the back of COVID and it's disappearing and, and you, know, the, 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 you know, the car market is improving from COVID, but in actual fact, it only takes one outbreak and then we're, we're back, almost back to square one again. It's true, very true. John. Hello. Well, that was on my list, so I'm going to skip to my next one, uh, which is a story not written by James Batchelor, which is oh. always a treat. Um, so we have, on a similar note, Ford blames rising costs as it pushes up prices of Mustang Mach-E. And usually when we have a story along these lines where a car price goes up, you know, they prices go up with inflation, yada, 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 fuel costs, etc. So it's usually... A couple of hundred quid, isn't it? You'd see a Fiesta sneaked up by or something. The Mackey has gone up by six grand compared to its launch price. And it launched, what, two years ago? So it's now, what's that, 15% increase 
it's an insane amount of money has suddenly got stuck on the price tag of a Mustang Mach-E. So you've got to really, really want your Mustang Mach-E, which apparently people do, to still take delivery at that cost. Um, but I mean, for me, I mean, there's a whole number of different reasons that this is going on. Um, but to me, it kind of, it highlights another slight issue with electric cars. Is they are a lot more, what's the word, liable to price increases in the market because there's a lot more raw material has to go into, you know, all the batteries and so on compared to your regular combustion engine car, which is just a bit of steel and aluminium, isn't it, really? Well, it's not, if you're a Ford dealer, it's not a particularly good situation to be in, really, is it? And it's not just the UK. I mean, order books are, are re remaining open in the UK, but in the, in the US, Ford has completely taken the car off sale. Um, oh, really? Suspended I didn't orders that. for it because it's such a big problem. Now, Ford dealers in the UK, apparently they, they're quoting 32 weeks for delivery. Um, but of course, that is, as we know, that is as <laughs> a, a moving scale. Um, but if, if I were, this, this is the problem, isn't it? Not only is the Ford Mustang Mackey a bit of a tough sale to start off with, because I don't want to keep harping on about it, but of course it wears that Mustang name, doesn't it? So you really have to want, want a Mustang Mackey, um, you know, you know, to, you know, to, you know, to, uh, to buy one really. Um, and then, then you've got to sit around waiting for it. And if you're a Ford dealer, that is the only pure electric car they've got on offer at the moment. It's not like uh, their key rivals, Hyundai, Kia, you know, et cetera, et cetera, who have got a whole raft of electric models on, on, on sale. Ford has only really got one. So mm. it's, it's, a, it's a really big problem. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if this is already happening in the States where the car's temporarily been taken off sale. It could very well happen in the UK as well in, in the not too distant future. So can you clarify for me, if I had placed an order for a Mackie and I was waiting for it to arrive, would I now have to pay the extra six grand? Well, I don't, I don't know that the that answer to that question, but I would imagine there would be a cutoff point, wouldn't there? And the mm. people who have already placed their orders, I would imagine their original price would be honoured and mm. it would be probably be from this point onwards if you were to place an order from today um you the the you're looking at an enormous price i mean yes more than six thousand pounds which is an absolutely extraordinary figure and i know people only buy cars on pcps these days they don't buy cars in lump in, in a lump sum but that's still going to be a, a massive premium every single month isn't it mm. um to cover that six thousand pounds so um yeah i would imagine that the people who are already in the system who have already been waiting a long time for their cars I would imagine the original price is honoured. But if, if a Ford dealer is listening to this and wants to talk to us about it anonymously, please do get in contact. We'd like to hear <laughs> from you. Yeah, I should say the price, the price increase varies depending on which model you order, but mm. the standard range all-wheel drive is 16% more. So it starts at, it was 46 grand, it's now 54. That's a lot for a small car, isn't it? It is. It's not a very it big is. car for that money. Yeah. Hmm. Um, you might get it before your ENIAC, so that's something. Well, yeah. But I was just thinking, it's not a story I've got on my list, but another story that we did cover was about how more people are looking at electric cars because of the increased cost of living. Mm. Um, but it does feel like it's um, a bit of a mixed bag, doesn't it, when it comes to electric cars? Mm. It doesn't really seem like a good deal at the moment for a lot of people. Um, shall I move on to my story then? Yes, please do. Because I'd love to know what you two think of this. Um, 
This is the news that came out this week about drivers of self-driving cars won't be responsible for accidents. Um, but what I wonder, so this is basically a change to the highway code they're talking about uh, that will mean the car's responsible, not the person sat in it. Um, but will this make more people want to buy them or would this put you off? Hmm. I suppose, so I, I haven't read this story but i'm aware of it is it along the lines of this is according to the insurance bureau whatever they're called isn't it so it's just, in their eyes the car is responsible is that correct um so this is proposed changes by the department for transport uh, to the highway code where insurance companies rather than individuals be, will be liable for claims in those circumstances so that's claims isn't it so that is what hasn't quite been answered is are you liable still as a driver sat behind the steering wheel in terms of you know hypothetically say there's a fatality who are, are you still taken into custody under you know mm. dangerous driving because you are ultimately still behind the wheel of that car mm, it's true it's the only one. thing i can see in this is that it will still be illegal to use a phone behind the wheel mm. okay the thing I just feel about all of this is that I do feel as though we are sort of running before we can walk here, aren't we? And we're mm -hmm. the government. See, government's got this agenda of of trying to be the first at everything. You know, they're the first with the well, pretty much the first with the uh, ban on pure pure you know, pure petrol and pure diesel cars. Uh, 2040 they brought it to 2030 didn't they to try and lead the way they're always trying to lead the way in something and I think the UK government is trying to lead the way when it comes to autonomous cars as well and I I just feel as though it, it is it's just it's just coming too soon isn't it and I know we should be positive about about cars but we've all driven cars where the self-driving technology simply doesn't work does it? it it really doesn't i'm not i'm not over dramatizing things no you're I mean, absolutely right the number of times and i'm sure virtually every one of our listeners will have had this experience it's a cold frosty morning you get in your car and you get that warning light that comes up on the dash saying, oh, the autonomous emergency braking's not working because ice is covering the sensor. Mm. And all these ridiculous messages where, you know, if we can't get that technology right at the moment, how on earth are we going to be allowing cars to drive themselves down a, a, a busy public road? And um, I know that's where things are going, but I've noticed a bit of a change in the past few years, I think it was probably about five or six years ago, this was the thing that every car manufacturer was talking about, wasn't it? Is it level three autonomy? Is that, is that what it is? I can't remember. <laughs> Everyone was talking about it. And then, of course, car manufacturers are throttled back off this because they've realised that I think the typical customer doesn't actually want this technology. They're perfectly happy driving their own cars, aren't they? So I do feel as though we're, this, this, this proposed change to the highway code is just it's just coming a little bit too soon. I don't think the technology is there at the moment, and I just think it's just going to make people even more worried. Really, I think there's two ways of looking at it. I think one is, I I kind of believe in to an extent to try and get car manufacturers to do anything and to try and get companies to do anything, you have to legislate and put things into into place that make them do this. So you know. The 2030 thing is a, with the electric cars is a great example. Everyone's moaning about it, but it is, you know, that is the kind of thing that makes people, makes car manufacturers go, oh, okay, right. Better get on with that then. 
you know, mm. it does encourage things along. And I think this will have that same effect because what the government or whoever has come up with this is effectively saying is if you, Mr. Ford, autonomous car, crashes into a another car at 40 miles an hour, we will, you know, we expect the owner of that other car to come after you is what it sort of sounds like. Or at the very least, you need to put some form of insurance in place yourself so that the customer isn't at fault if this happens. And that, you know, if I was a designer of, if I was Elon Musk, I would be thinking, oh, okay, maybe better definitely make sure this works properly then. Mm. The other part of it, though, is I think it's pushing in that traditional government way, it's pushing the issue to an extent onto the uh, providers of this technology. Because if you, as you were saying, Batch, you know, when you, I don't know if you've used like a lane keeping aid or anything like that recently, or tried to you know, one that sits in the same lane on the motorway. That is all fantastic until there are no lane markings anymore because that is how our road system is looked after. We suddenly, you suddenly find that they're faded or, you know, if, great example, the M27 near uh, our office or where our office was before the pandemic, um, down there, they've turned it into a smart motorway and sort of tried to erase half the old lane markings but they are still there so if you drive down there and the sun is low you have absolutely no idea which lane you're supposed to be in because they've just sort of painted over the white markings so it is impossible to see so if i can't see it how can a camera see it so in short there's two things need to happen you know car manufacturers need to really refine the technology but also if the government is serious about it they need to make roads easily readable by these cars which is not happening at the minute Mm. that is my two cents (laughs) I think you're very right there it's um it's definitely a two-handed deal isn't it we're not going to get near to any sort of like autonomous driving without these other things coming into place so Mm. they're sort of making their bed aren't they with bringing in legislation to kind of edge this stuff along but it's going to cost them a lot in infrastructure to make it work Mm. We'll be right back. You want the best return from your advertising budget, and CarGuru's Piston Heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market, high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you. Now, let's get back to the quiz. Absolutely. Go on, what's your next story? Um, I am going to move on to... um, So, we traditionally talk about Kazoo. (laughs) Or Tesla. I've managed not to mention Tesla, and I'm still not going to mention Kazoo. But I'm going to mention Karzam. I have this one. (laughs) Ah! which is the upstart rival to Kazoo and Cinch from Peter Waddell um, and business partner, whose name I've forgotten, John Bailey. Yeah. John Bailey? Yeah, John yes. Bailey. Um, but there's a bit of turmoil going on. Well, okay, not turmoil. There's a bit of, bit of change afoot. So Peter Waddell has resigned as director of Carzam. Um, meanwhile, there's this fresh investment in big motoring world. So we're not quite sure what's going on there, but it seems to be a bit of a change in management in both companies. Um, James wrote this story, but I'm going to go to James Batchelor for his take on the changes here. 
Well, like you say, we don't really know the proper ins and outs of it, do we? Um, but I do wonder, um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this is the case at all. But from an outsider's perspective, it would appear as though the st their steam is running out just a little bit. And um, you know, there was great excitement when Kazam launched. They launched in in a very um, impressive manner. Of course, we went round their um mm. their uh, their facilities and it was all very impressive but it does feel as though kazoo and particularly cinch have really got into their stride now haven't they and and i and i and i, I you know when we did this big investigation about kazoo recently you know we had quite a few comments from people saying it's not kazoo and it's not Kazam you need to watch out for it's cinch isn't it mm. um they it, it does appear as though constellation have got this this entire circle of 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 car ownership really um sewn up haven't they with with their different brands catering to different people in the different parts of the buying circle um so it would at this present moment in time, we don't know what's going on at Carzan, but it would it appears to me that the, 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 they're running out a little bit of steam. I hope not. You know, as we know, it's great to have lots of competitors in this part of the market. Um, and, you know, and I, and I, but I, I'm not completely ruling out Pete, Peter Waddell here. He, of course, you know, Big Motoring World has been tremendously successful and I'm sure it will continue to be tremendously successful. Um, so it's, I think it's one to watch, really, and I, I, I'm really keen to, to find out what happens in the future. One of the interesting things was, I, I might have got the dates slightly askew here, but I think Carzan was slightly ahead of Kazoo in terms of prep centres and taking it in, in house because Kazoo initially used BCA's facilities. Unsurprisingly, they stopped doing that because presumably they were hints that Cinch was on the horizon. Um, and that's when they invested in SMH and Smartfleet and all these sorts of things. But Carzam had its own prep centre. Yeah, which, from day one. Indeed, yeah. But confusingly, this seems to, they seem to have pulled out of that prep site, allegedly. I mean, I'm not sure, this is what our story says, I'm not sure what James's source was. But if that being the case, I can't quite work out where they're prepping their cars because presumably <laughs> they don't want to use either of the two big fleet preparation companies because they're either owned by Kazoo or Cinch. Mm. So it's is a bit of a tricky one, that. Uh, my, I thought it was Big Motoring World's cars were coming out of the Carzam prep centre. But I'm not entirely... My understanding sure. was it's more the other way around, that it's oh, sort right. of a... Well, it's it, this is one of the complications of how the company is set up, I suppose. We don't quite know who owns what bit of it. But... Mm. Our, think... our story is it's Peter Waddell's prep site. Oh, I see. I think ultimately what this all suggests is that, that selling cars purely on an online model isn't as easy as everybody thinks, is it? Mm. And I'm not, I'm not making any implications or suggestions here about cars and that they're struggling. I'm not saying that at all. But I just think it's, as we've seen with Kazoo recently, you know, Becca, you were on watchdog weren't you talking about this 300 point check and all these things it's it doesn't seem to be an entirely simple process to sell cars online it does seem to be fraught with problems um and uh, also probably also fraught with 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 extra 
with extra things which which people didn't think about when they first launched so it's just it's just a it's just an on, it's just a very interesting issue all of this isn't it and um yeah i'm very interested to find out what what's going on at, at Carzam and 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 what's going to happen in the future mm, yeah definitely so my next story is um it just sort of caught my eye about Stellantis boss Carlos Tavares and his shocking pay package that managed to unite Macron and Le Pen um, <laughs> because he's going to get, well, I think it's got to go through approval, but the proposed amount is £63.1 million. Pounds. And I just thought that was an absolutely extraordinary amount of money to be paid. I mean, if anyone's going to be paid that much, I can't think of someone who does more than Carlos Tavares, but... Yeah, I thought it was pretty amazing. Um, it includes, what is it, a compensation package of 15.8 million. Um, he had a stock package worth 26.6 million plus a long-term compensation of around 20.7 million pounds, according to Reuters. Um, so I just think that's going to be my next career move. CEO PSA. of uh, PSA or something. <laughs> <laughs> I will say he has done a very good job. Yes. So, you know, not to get into the, oh, what era was the banker's bonuses and all that, the newspapers 10 years ago, not to get into that kind of uh, rhetoric, oh, yeah. but I sort of don't begrudge him that, you know. No. I, I know, I, I, I have to say it sort of annoyed me that story a little bit, because of course, you know, the timing is 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 deliberate, of course, you know, both uh, Macron and Le Pen are, you know, fighting it out to become the next president. And strangely, they they both agree on this, which I thought was was quite unusual. But um, I, the reason why I found it annoying was because, you know, the guy is in charge of 14 different car brands, for heaven's mm. sake. Um, and, you know, it still has, I can't remember where it is, but it, it is like the, the second or the third largest car maker in the world. Um, and... You know, if, if it wasn't for him, then brands like Peugeot and Citroen, they'd be in a far worse place, really. And he's got a proven track record and he's doing some fantastic things at the moment. Their future product plans sound amazing. And I just think, just give the guy a break. Yes, of course, it is an extraordinary amount of money to be paid. And um, when you do dive into it, you know, all of us who, who know nothing about these kinds of things probably thinking, oh, God, why is he being paid that? That sounds an awful lot of money. But you could probably say that about most CEO of any company, couldn't you? you but could not ours. Pay. Ours is not very ours. well paid. Ab absolutely. Reasonably so. I don't think no one's paid, John. You know, oh, that's right. Yes. We, we are a charity. We're a yeah. charity. Um, but I think you could you could say you could level this at virtually every CEO, can you? You could probably point the finger at them and say, you're being paid too much money. And mm. I just think it's a bit as it's it's just it's just not cricket, really, in some in, in some cases. So poor old Carlos, you know, you've you've got the support of Blackball Media there. So um don't worry. I'm I sure just, that'll uh, be music to his ears. <laughs> Can you even imagine what his daily job must be like dealing with how many people must report into him if you've got that many brands? Well, I imagine a lot of his job is trying to work out why he's got Lancia, DS and Alfa Romeo all at the same time. But yeah, I mean, I would. you'd need 60 odd million for that, wouldn't you? Yeah. 
trying to justify the existence of those three. But anyway. Uh, anyway, John, go on to your next story. <laughs> oh, choices. Um, I am going to go on to a story that has been hotly debated on what I'm going to call motoring journalist Twitter, um, which is effectively all the people that write about cars have been having a bit of a go at Euro NCAP because there's various new scores out from Euro NCAP, um, various unexciting and unsurprising ones like, you know, Citroen DS4 and Honda HRV doing very well. Sorry, not Citroen DS4, the DS4 doing very well. It's definitely not a Citroen. Um, Carlos, Carlos Tavares doing a good job there in, in <laughs> making you aware of the fact that it's, it's DS, not a Citroen. Well done, Carlos. <laughs> oh dear, that's another million. Um, <laughs> the one that's done not very well is the Dacia Jogger, which is a quite an exciting, if you're a motoring journalist, new vehicle because it's a seven-seat sort of, I don't know, estate MPV thing. If you remember, the MPVs don't sell very well though. Well, allegedly so, but it does have some cladding on the side, which technically makes it an SUV, I'm sure. Therefore, it will sell in its millions. Um, but anyway, to cut a long story short, the Jogger has been given one, is it one star? One star, yeah. One star from Euro NCAP. And you think, okay, well, that's terrible because one star, the last, you sort of think, what cars have ever got a one star? My immediate thought is the Rover Metro because... <laughs> That was the first one, I think, wasn't it? Then you've got like the Fiat Punto of a few years ago because it had been on sale for 92 years and I think still is on sale in Italy. Um, but the Jogger, if you actually look at the, uh, you know, the various ratings, because they break it down for each category, don't they? It's got something like 70-something something percent in adult occupancy um, safety. So in other words, you'll be all right if you crash. But the reason that they've downgraded it, Euro NCAP, is because of a lack of safety assistance systems. And a, a lot of arguments from motoring journalists have been, should these safety systems really be that much of a big deal in a Euro NCAP crash test? Because as we've discussed already, half of them don't work in quite the same way that you would expect them to. And I mean, really, it's not, it shouldn't be a good chunk of the test. It should be, there should be a bit of passive safety as it were should be the majority of how these are calculated. Um, the other part of it is they haven't really tested it. They've sort of used the score from the Sandero, which is not really the same car. Their argument is that it is the same car, but a bit shorter, which is a bit like saying the Golf is the same car as a Skoda Superb, isn't it, really? I mean, fundamentally, they're quite different, even though the chassis is the same and all that. Well, if you got what? hit by one, they're a different shape. So, well, quite, quite, mm. yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that, um, that they hadn't tested the actual car. I will say, I think they tested it in some like they tested side impact, they haven't tested frontal impact because presumably they have to buy a new car every time they do one of these. So, they've said, Oh, it's the same as a Sandero at the front, therefore, it's fine. I, I do think, on the flip side, some of the things that you have to have on the car to get the five star rating are the most infuriating features in the world mm. and have only made cars worse. There are loads of really good cars out there. Like I'm sure we've moaned about the Ionic 5 before. Absolutely brilliant car. But the the way that the safety systems interfere whilst you're driving is... Particularly lane keep assist, isn't it? Yeah. Which can never be turned off properly. And, and, you know, well, it can be turned off properly, but you have to do it every time you get in the car and you have to go through a menu 
and et cetera, et cetera. And then you forget one day and you go to try and overtake a cyclist where you don't normally indicate because, you know, there might be a road opposite or something. Mm. And it tries to veer you back into the cyclist, which is not really what you want to happen. Yeah, I don't think any of that makes a car safer. But Well, I've got news for you. I um, I drove a Polestar 2 recently, and I do urge everyone to try one just because it's a very good electric car. But but more importantly, because of this discussion, when you get in, you're able to switch off lane keep assist and it stays off. <laughs> and that is just it's just a revelation because you're just able to drive normally as opposed to the steering wheel violently being shaken out of your hand when you just stray a little bit over a white line to overtake a cyclist, for example, or avoid a pothole or avoid anything. Um, and then you, you know, have to avoid having a crash. But um, no, I found, I, I agree with you here, John. I found it very infuriating as well. I wasn't one of the journalists who actually went onto Twitter to give my views because there were plenty of people doing that already. I thought you were um, saying because you had other things to do in the world, which- Well, well I did, to be honest with you, I did really. Um, but um, I did find it very infuriating that the Euro NCAP did class the jogger just as a Sandero because, you know, it's, it's like saying I'm exactly the same as Usain Bolt because I'm a man and I've got four limbs. I mean, it, it we're completely different, aren't we? And, and, the, and the jogger is completely different from a Sandero, um, really. Um, so that, that, that annoyed me also. But another thing that... that um, got me thinking about all of this do customers actually care anymore now I know safety obviously is really important and people you know people want to drive a safe car but when you say to someone you can have this car it's it's a modern day car and I think everybody thinks that modern day cars are pretty safe full stop if you say to that person, well, you can make your car even, even safer, you'll get an extra four stars from your NCAP. If you spend an extra £600 on the optional safety pack, people will probably think, actually, I, I, no, I think the decent car is going to be safe enough. It's going to be safer than my 20-year-old Vauxhall Nova, for example, isn't it? Which I'm just changing out of. You know, 30-year-old. 30-year-old, sorry. But, you know, but I just think that, that when people buy a new car, I think they naturally assume it's going to be safer anyway, isn't it? Yes. So when you say to somebody, yes, but you can make it even safer by spending extra pounds, I don't think people really care. I actually think Euro NCAP was, do you remember, it was about 20 years ago when I think, was it the Renault Laguna or the Renault Megane? It was like the first car to Laguna. get five stars, wasn't it? Mm. And it was a big thing wasn't it but I just think nowadays I just don't think it's quite as important as it used to be um I am expecting a lot of people to to moan at me there and saying you know you're wrong but I just don't think it's quite as important as it used to be primarily because of that cost issue people have got to pay extra to make their cars safer and I don't think people care I will say I think it it is important that it exists however in the same way that the reason the criteria has jumped down is because if everything had five stars, everything, you know, you, you lose the differentiation between a Volvo XC90 and a, I don't know, a Mini or something, don't you? Which one is going to be inherently safer, probably. Um, however, you, you get the same issue when you start downgrading things like this, because are we saying that a, one, a Dacia Jogger, which is one star, is as bad in a crash as I mean, there are a few other ones, one star cars, like as a as a Fiat Punto, for example, which was designed in 2006. Mm. No, it's, it's much safer. But you get this 
whatever you do, as long as it's, it's out of five stars, there's not enough differentiation to be able to say whether it's a safe car or not. A re- you know, reasonably safe car. That's my view. Reasonably. Reasonably safe. Most of the safety features you'd want. That you like, yes. Um, uh, just, just, just one other thing. I mean, if if people are, if dealers are listening to this, I would quite like to hear from a few dealers if they've ever had a customer come into their showroom saying, "Oh, I'm not going to buy that car because it's a one star." <laughs> um, whether that does actually impact people's buying, because I don't think it probably, I don't think it probably does. But I could be could be very wrong here. I am famously wrong. Um, <laughs> I don't so. think it even comes into most people's consciousness. I'm sure if you were trying to sell a Dacia Jogger, you'd say, look, it's got one star. And if you were trying to sell an XC90, you'd be like, five stars. And It's true. No People would... go, well, the Dacia is 15 grand and the Scenic, which is in the same showroom, is 30 grand. Maybe I'll go with the Jogger. Yeah. 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 I, don't, I just don't think customers are that clever. Is that I mean, it is, it, Euro NCAP is alleged to have been the downfall of the Rover Metro, but I think probably the Rover Metro was the yes. downfall of the Rover Metro. So it, it, it was, to be perfectly honest with you. It was the final nail in the coffin for it, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, um, my last story is more of a, a little plug or an announcement. Um, so I'll try and do it very quickly. Just that the Used Car Awards 2022, the nominations are now open. Um, so if you would like to put yourself forward or another business that you think has done particularly well um, in the last year, then you can go onto the car dealer websites. Uh, nominations close September 30th, so you do have a bit of time, but don't forget, lots of people do. Um, and yeah, there's, I don't know exactly how many awards there are, but there are a lot, a lot of things you can enter yourself in for, and you've got to be in it to win it. That's me. Absolutely. And there is a new award this year, the Diversity and Inclusivity Award, mm-hmm. which I won't go into the details of because I'd need to read the exact nomination criteria, but do look at it. <laughs> um, do you have any more stories, John? I do have one more, which means I've overtaken you in terms of number. So do you want me to do it? Yeah, if you want. Okay. Well, uh, I've got drug addict who made off with car while pretending to be dealership customer is jailed over £60,000 wrecking spree. So this is a man who walks into a dealership in Ashton-under-Lyme. Or Ashton-under-Lyme? Yeah, Ashton-under-Lyme. Um, and stole, of all things, a Suzuki Ignis, leading to... I mean, the reason I've put this in, apart from the fact that sixty grand is quite a lot of money in terms of damage to commit with a Suzuki Ignis, um, <laughs> but I thought it must be the world's first documented car chase of a Suzuki Ignis. Um, and that's why I've mentioned it. It just amused me, which I'm sure is not quite what Colin Appleyard cars of Ashton under Lime want to hear. Um, but that you're probably a, right, though. An interesting story. I'm yeah, I, I think we do need to find that out, whether it's the first recorded car chase for the Zuki Ignis. Because, I mean, come on, let's face it. Have you ever said that these words have never been uttered by anybody in the world? Look at that lunatic in that Suzuki. No one has ever said that, have they? So um, it just would have been an extraordinary sight, really, wouldn't it? A Zuki Ignis causing £60,000 worth of damage. Um, Mm -hmm. And surprisingly, he didn't get away. No. Like in a tram track. (laughs) Is it because the tyres are so thin on the Ignis? Well, I was thinking because the track itself is so narrow. It's like (laughs) the narrowest car on sale. I'm sure that's Suzuki Ignis. Um, So, Batch... That's the end of our stories. Who do you think had the best? Well, 
a bit of a tough one here. I know everyone says that every single week, but I'm torn a little bit, really, because I feel as though I should be uh, sort of congratulating you, Becca, because you brought up some very important issues like, you know, new car supply and self-driving cars and all the all the all the high level stuff which you wrote. let's face it which i wrote obviously but <laughs> let's face it um we like a bit of entertainment here don't we and you know the ability to talk about the citroen picasso and remembering that lovely car launch i had in austria near hitler's Burkhoff 10 years ago it was something i wasn't expecting to remember when i agreed to do the podcast this morning um and uh, so for that mo for, for, for that reason alone, it's going to have to be John, I'm afraid. I accept this graciously. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's a very good reason to give it to John. Things I didn't expect here <laughs> on the podcast today were about Hitler. Hitler and the Citroen Picasso. No, I didn't yeah. see those two going together somehow. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much, Batch, for judging today. Thank you, John, for doing the stories and well done for winning. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back again next week with another podcast. Um, if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe. You'll get a notification when a new episode goes live. If you are listening on Spotify too, don't forget you can swipe up on the screen now and you'll be able to see um, a little poll and you can vote there if you think that me or John were the winner. If you want to find out more about any of the stories we've mentioned today, click the links in the show notes below or head over to cardealermagazine.co.uk and scroll down to the podcast section. Thank you again. And until next time, goodbye.